We're glad you're here this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, turn uh, in them to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're calling this Launch Sunday. Why do we call it Launch Sunday? Well, it's a good time of year to, to sort of back up and say, what is it that we want to encourage folks who attend Victory Life to be a part of? And as part of our live the story element of, of our mission, what God we feel God has called us to, we like to back up and, and encourage you towards life groups and encourage you towards volunteerism on launch Sunday. And, and we want to do that because we believe that's the pattern that is set forth in Scripture. Now, interestingly enough, what we talked about, and I'm going to lower this music stand here, what we talked about here, uh, for as far as our vision for uh, 2019 and 20 has been to give it away, has been to give it away, to tell the story, actually the third part of our mission statement. But I'm going to talk about how, here on launch Sunday, two different aspects of our mission fit completely together in terms of giving it away. I have to tell you, when I was growing up, I, I had a wonderful childhood, two very loving, supportive, wonderful parents. I couldn't have asked for better. But there was one, one particular time in my childhood that I did not want to be home, didn't want to be around at all. And that was any time my parents were hosting people. You see, things would go really bad really quick when house guests were coming. Uh, I don't want to describe it all to you. I, I don't want to, want to make you feel like my parents were bad parents in any way. Suffice it to say that when we were having house guests, it was good to not be within 100 yards of the property at any given time. Because mom and dad were going to try to get things pristine for the one to two times a year that we were going to have house guests. They weren't always on the same page on how to get the house pristine, so that created tension. And we were three boys. We liked to play. We liked dirt. We liked problems to create. So it was a problem for us to be anywhere in the vicinity because my parents liked things to be perfect. Well, just about every year, my parents would host their best friends from Minnesota. They'd come down, and they were just wonderful people. Uh, my brothers and I liked being around them, and of course, they were my, my parents' real good friends, and, and, and we wanted to have things just perfect and pristine for when they came. And so the house would be clean, and, 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 and we would have to dress decent. I don't know why. And here... Here they were coming. So, so we were already one time. It had been a week of pure hellaciousness on earth. And, and, and we saw their minivan drive up the street, and it stopped in front of our walk. And the house was perfect, and we were ready to receive these people. They began to walk up the walkway. And right before they get to the front doors, the dog walks to directly in front of the front doors and throws up everywhere. My dad was heard to exclaim, God help us. Because all of the hard work was right out the window. As we said, no, no, go to the side door, go to the side door, don't come in here, we're sorry for the smell, we got to clean. Just all the best laid plans didn't quite work out. Don't you want things to work out when you've worked hard? Don't you want things to be just right when, you, when, you, when you've set it up and you've worked hard and you've made a plan? You want things to be just perfect. And to that end today, I want to tell you two different stories. Do something a little bit different. We're going to use the scripture from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 and following. But I want to tell you two, two stories today about folks who wanted to have things right. They wanted things in their preparation to go a certain way because if it did, it could make a difference for eternity. Not just make a difference for the house guests, but make a difference for eternity. So today I want to tell you the story of Lenny and Mike and the story of Lisa and Violet. Let's start with Lenny and Mike. It had finally happened. 
Lenny had been fostering a friendship with his neighbor, Mike, for months. You see, Mike hadn't been to church since he was a kid, but when he met Lenny, he told him he didn't want to go to church because some people in church were phony and God never much mattered to him. But for months, Lenny had shown Mike love and care. He wanted to give away all that he'd been given. He really wanted Mike to know Christ. They'd had conversations about Lenny's faith, and Mike seemed somewhat interested. So after a number of months, Lenny finally plucked up the courage to ask Mike to come to church with him. And amazingly, Mike said that he'd come with his two kids. Lenny was elated. He was scared at the same time. You see, he poured so much of his life into this relationship with Mike, and now he was going to trust his church to embrace Mike and his kids and to help lead them one step closer to Christ. Lenny could only wonder, would his church be up to the task? Lisa was horrified the day her little sister Violet called and announced that she was an atheist. Lisa and her sister Violet had moved from church to church as kids. They'd never really set down roots. And while Lisa found Christ in college because she was invited to a great campus group, Violet never really found her faith. In fact, when Violet went to college, she really fell in love with the philosophies of some of her professors. So when Violet called and made this announcement of atheism to her sister Lisa, Lisa blurted out some of the worst things she'd ever said. In fact, she said some things she wished she could take back. But over the course of weeks and months, she asked Violet plenty of questions about her atheist belief, and Lisa gently shared her Christian ones. Lisa realized early on that Violet's objections to faith were more personal and political than true atheism. It just so happened that most of Violet's friends identified as atheists, and so she did too. Violet wasn't so much a staunch atheist as someone who believed that Christians were intolerant and cared more about their politics than their God. But over the months of conversation, Violet became open to reevaluating her beliefs, and Lisa invited Violet to her home church. Lisa was elated, and Lisa was scared. She wanted her church to be able to overcome the philosophies and the friends who had led her sister away from Christ. Would her church be up to the task? I want you to look to your right, and I want you to look to your left. If you don't have anybody on your right or your left, you just somebody in front of you, just tug on their earlobe so they know, no, don't do that, it's weird, creepy, don't tug on anybody's earlobe. Randy will escort you from the building if you tug on an earlobe. He's ready. He's, he's ready, he's able, right? So, so what, what I want to say, what I, what I want to do by telling you to look to your right and your left is to tell you that somebody on your right or somebody on your left has been working hard to give it away to someone they care about. They've been working hard to tell the story of Jesus Christ to someone. They've been praying that someone might come to know Christ. They have been working to, to, to take somebody out to lunch or read through the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of John with them. They've been trying their best to lead someone to Jesus, and one day they are going to invite them to sit next to you. They're going to invite them to come into this place. They're going to invite them to church because the church is what God instituted on the world to be a place full of his people and full of his love and full of his glory. And every time that you enter into this place, you have the opportunity to partner with that person to your right or to your left to give it away. You have the opportunity to set the stage for someone else to draw closer to Christ. You are someone else's partner in helping people grow closer to the Lord through this church community. Both Lenny 
and Lisa were worried about what their friends and their sister would find when they came in the doors. But the Apostle Peter tells us exactly what they should find. He tells us what our community should be marked by so that when people come in these doors, we partner with our brothers and sisters in Christ in helping to give it away. Let's read 1 Peter chapter 4, 8 through 11. Peter says, above all, it's a big statement, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Peter tells us what Violet and Mike should find when they step into the church community. They should find first, according to verse 8, a community of people that love each other earnestly. Now that word earnestly in the New Testament is used only one time. Perhaps in your Bible it says constantly. Anybody have constantly in your Bible? They're not quite sure exactly how to, how to, how to translate that word because it's only found once. But it's an important word. It's a word that says that we're a community that is constantly and earnestly involved in love. And it also says that love covers a multitude of sins, which sort of lets us off the hook a little bit. It's good to know that church people are not perfect people, isn't it? It's good to know that church people don't have to be perfect people. What we are, in fact, is a community of people who overcome the fact that we're sinful people by showing love as Christ has shown us. We don't have to be perfect. You don't have to pretend to be perfect. If you need to pretend to be perfect, go somewhere else and pretend to be perfect. Don't do it in church. But what you should be doing, according to the Apostle Peter of church, is being part of a community that loves one another earnestly and constantly. It's interesting that this commandment of love shows up all over the New Testament. In 1 John chapter 3, John the Apostle says very much the same thing. He says, you know what, folks, I don't want you to love in word and speech. He says, you need to love in what? Deed and truth. He says, that's what marks a Christian. And was it not the Lord Jesus himself who said back in John chapter 13 and 14 this, a new commandment I give to you that you should love one another as I have loved you. And a little bit later on in the same chapter, Jesus says what? He says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. What's the context for that? What, what, what did Jesus, what, why was Jesus saying that? Where, what was he saying that into? Well, that very moment that Jesus was making those two big statements, this new commandment I give to you, the commandment of the New Testament, which is to show love, this, this, this commandment that by this all men will know that you are my disciples, these commandments, I am giving them to you at the very moment that I've wrapped a towel around my waist, got a basin of water, and washed the feet of my disciples. The Son of God on earth washed the feet of dirty, stinky fishermen and tax collectors and said, love others as I have loved you. So what we're going to do with the remainder of our time today is take off our shoes. I have basins directly outside the exit doors. You can start with my feet, and then I'll move on to yours. Now, what are we talking about here? We're talking about such a self-depreciating, sacrificial, humbling love that people would go, whoa, I can't believe anybody loves that way. 
I can't believe they would sacrifice that way. I can't believe that they would give of themselves that way. That's the mark of Christian community. The pattern of love in Scripture is a sacrificial love, says Peter, says John, says the Lord Jesus. Mike was supposed to meet up with Lenny in the main sanctuary. He just wasn't sure what a sanctuary was. Lenny was running tech that morning, whatever tech was. Mike pulled up to the church and he found a sign that said children's wing and one that said sanctuary. He had kids, but he wasn't sure what to do. But thankfully, the minute he got out of his car, a random dude said, good morning. He introduced himself as Jim and asked Mike how long he'd been attending the church. When Mike said it was his first time, Jim said, that's great. He told Mike that the church had great nurseries for his younger child and and that the older girl could stay with him in service until the elementary kids were dismissed for their program. Jim said, head right through those doors. They'll take care of you from there. When he got to the doors, he was greeted by Debbie. Debbie found out that Mike's kids were new and introduced herself to both of them, and she walked them right down to the check-in station. And when they arrived at check-in, they found a smiling man in a safety team T-shirt. The safety team member walked Mike through check-in, explained how they'd get in contact with him if there was an issue, explained how the tags were used, and pointed Mike towards the right nursery for his daughter. When he arrived at the nursery, Mike and his daughter were greeted by a kind nursery worker that upon learning that they were new that week, gave them a tour of the nursery, and she was so warm that by the time Mike was ready to leave, his daughter was already playing. The nursery worker gave Mike directions to the sanctuary, and he and his older daughter were off. And as he walked towards the sanctuary, Mike couldn't believe how kind and helpful all these people were. What Mike couldn't have known is that Jim had prayed on his way to church that morning that he'd be a blessing to someone new. He had asked the pastors to start a parking lot ministry, but it wasn't up and running yet, so he just hung out in the parking lot every week and did his thing. He didn't know that Debbie had had a sleepless night with her six-month-old the night before, but showed up 20 minutes early just to greet him. He didn't know that the safety team member suffered from social anxiety, but worked hard to make him and his daughters feel secure anyways. And he didn't know that the nursery worker was dropped off by her husband and that that family was making multiple trips back and forth to church that morning because their car had broke down that week. You see, all these people had showed up early and intentionally because someone like Mike and his daughter were coming to church. Someone that Lenny loved was coming to church. And each one of them was serving that week, not in their own strength, but in the strength that God supplies. Mike didn't know any of that. All he knew that his first church experience in over 20 years was going okay so far. Multiple people showing sacrificial love, all for the glory of Christ. The Apostle Peter says that we should show hospitality without grumbling. Ooh. I sometimes can't stand when the neighbor kids come over and stay too long. I'm not going to lie. I, I like the neighbor kids. They're good kids. Some, well, some of them are good kids. Some of them are decent kids. Some of them are slightly behaved, but sometimes they stay too long. It's tough to show hospitality. Hospitality is welcoming someone else into your space and seeing to their needs. I'm going to say that again. It's my awesome definition. It should go in Webster's, right? Hospitality is welcoming someone into your space and seeing to their needs. Now, in the, old, in the New Testament world, that was a very specific thing. Let's be, let's be real. I, I did my research. I'm a pastor. In, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament world, that meant that you would welcome other Christians into your home and give them free room and board for at least three days. Dead serious. Not even kidding. 
Is that one of Pastor Matt's jokes? No, no. You were responsible for room and board for another Christian. So that's what I'm calling you to. If anybody here is looking for housing, just raise your hand. No, I'm kidding. We're not going to do that. If you do welcome somebody into your home for three room and board for three days, please notify your local police before you do that, and we'll pray for you. But, 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 but that's what was very specific to that time. But the concept of hospitality goes without saying. It's simple. It's welcoming someone else into your space and seeing to their needs. Like you wouldn't welcome somebody into your home and say, hey, welcome, so glad you're here. I'm heading down to the man den. There's playoff games on. Make yourself at home. That's not what you would do with somebody. You would welcome somebody into your home. You'd spend time with them. You'd have a conversation with them. You'd see if they needed anything. You'd stay with them, and you'd make sure they had everything that, that, that they could possibly need. That's hospitality. That's what we are to be engaged in as the community of faith. We're to be making people feel at home by sharing our home with them, seeing if they need anything. Now, you might be saying, well, this is not my church home yet. Well, yes, it is. You've been coming here for a month or two, and you're like, yeah, I'm pretty much going to go here. I think I'm going to go to growth track eventually. They'll wrangle me in. This is your church home. Do you listen to the sermons? Do you worship here? Do you give here? Do you have some friends here? This is your church home. Like, like, like I wouldn't invite somebody into my home and say, you know what? I pay the mortgage here. I eat here, and I sleep here, but this really isn't mine. So do whatever you need to do while you're here. No, no, I'd welcome people in and say, this is my church home, and I, and I want you to be a part of it. That's what the Bible is calling us to, without grumbling, to serve with everything that we have and not just leave people to their own devices. This is the type of hospitality we need to be engaged in, the type of hospitality that says, I'm going to show up 20 minutes early rather than five minutes late because guests are coming. I'm not going to hang out on my phone while the guests are here. You ever had that happen to you? Somebody have you over, and then they're just playing on their phone? Like, I don't know that I should be here. I don't know that they want me here. It's the difference between checking the box and going over and above. If you're welcoming somebody in your home, you're going to make sure that things are right. Is this your church home? The answer is yes. Are you going to make sure things are right for the mics and the violets of the world? Lisa picked up Violet for church and was immediately appalled. Her sister was wearing the shortest skirt and the most revealing top she'd ever seen her in. Lisa knew what Violet was doing. She was going to see if any of those church people gave her dirty looks. But Lisa kept her cool. When Violet got in the car, she said, you look cute. <laughs> I made myself laugh with that one. When Lisa and Violet got to the doors, they were greeted by the warmest elderly couple in the whole church, Elsie and Chuck. When Elsie found out that Violet was Lisa's sister, she gave her a big hug. Chuck shook her hand and said something funny about Lisa. The outfit didn't throw them a bit. They'd come to show hospitality, not to make judgments. As they entered the sanctuary, multiple people came up and greeted Lisa, and then they met Violet. Violet had no idea that her sister had so many friends and so many nice friends. Violet felt something different the minute she entered the room. No pretension, no tension, no posing just real people who cared about one another. Before the service even started, Violet had lunch plans with some of Lisa's friends. What Violet couldn't have known was that Elsie, that greeted her at the door, had led small groups that had appealed to young ladies to dress modestly. About this, she felt quite passionate. But when she saw Violet coming up the parking lot in that outfit, she prayed that she could look past that outfit and love her for her. What Violet also didn't know was that so many of those people who came up to greet her were Lisa's friends that had been praying for her in their life group for the last six months. You see, they were as determined as Lisa 
that Violet would come to know Christ. Peter says that everybody in the church has a gift to give away. Look at verse 10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as stewards of God's varied grace. By participating in the ministries of the church, the Bible says that you are stewarding the gifts of God. So just imagine for a moment, think think about God in heaven who has all the good gifts of, of, of of warmth and kindness and love and words of knowledge and, 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 and just as many good things as could happen interpersonally as possible. God has all of those gifts, and God walked into this place this morning and said, Jeff, here's one for you. Gene, here's one for you. Gloria, here's one for you. Linda, here's one for you. And Ken, here's one for you. Take these varied gifts of my grace. You are now in charge of them to serve other people. That's what I'm giving you. Do well with them. This is what what the apostle is saying. He's saying that God has distributed his gifts to each one of us to be used within the church community. That we might serve one another with our varied gifts. Whether you're on the welcome team or a nursery worker or an usher or a safety team member or a prayer team member or the tech guy or the sound guy, God has placed you with something to give away. Everyone is using their gift to give away the good news each time we come together. That's what the apostle envisions. He envisions that everyone in the church is using their gift to give it away. That which is the good news each time we gather. You see, we've been loved by God, we've been welcomed by God, we've been served by God, and so we will love and welcome and serve, the apostle says, for his glory. When Mike entered the sanctuary, he spotted Lenny back by the computers. Apparently, that's what tech was. He walked up and Lenny said to Mike, I'm so glad you came, but before their conversation had ended, Lenny's friend Nick came up, and he met Mike and his daughter. Nick invited Mike and his daughter to sit with him and his kids, and the the kids hit it off right away, and Nick and Mike talked all the way until the start of service. When the time came for the kids to be dismissed, Mike's daughter gave him the, can I go look, and she went off with her new friends. Mike settled in to listen to his first sermon in over 20 years. He was preparing himself to be offended by that big mouth up front. (laughs) Or he thought maybe he would take a nap. He wasn't sure which was more likely. But 25 minutes later, he had more questions than anything else. He made a mental note of all the things he was going to ask Lenny in the driveway later. You see, church had turned out to be different than he expected. And most surprising, he'd made plans to go golfing with that guy Nick on Tuesday. Violet's weird feelings continued the minute the music started. This place just felt different. Towards the end of the songs, she listened to one about God's love for her, and she didn't know why, but she started to cry. Something was happening inside of her. She just didn't know what. She really didn't hear anything the pastor said that day. You see, it was the feeling of this place that was different. She wasn't about to become a Christian or anything, but but this place was different than what she expected. She expected those intolerant meanings she saw on TV and read about in articles. But instead she found kindness and a feeling of warmth she couldn't explain. At the end of the service, the pastor asked if there was anyone who needed prayer, and she had no idea why, but she raised her hand. 
And a sweet lady came over and prayed for her. She was too overwhelmed to really remember what was said, but there was that feeling again, this time even stronger. It was flooding into her heart. Something here was more real than she could even express. Violet had no way of knowing that what she was feeling was the Holy Spirit of God connecting to her spirit. She didn't have any of the theological categories that we Christians have. All she knew was that something undeniable was happening. And she was open as never before to being a Christian. She didn't know that the worship team had practiced and prayed all week, hoping that someone would connect to the Spirit of God during that song. She didn't know that on Monday morning at 7 and Monday evening at 7, a prayer team had gathered to pray that folks would encounter God when they entered this sanctuary. She didn't know that that sweet lady who prayed for her had been praying all morning that God would use her to speak into the life of another. Peter says that anyone who speaks should speak as one who speaks the very oracles of God and anyone who serves should serve in the strength that God supplies. You see, all of these people were off the hook. They weren't expected to be perfect. They are just people who have been loved by God, who have recognized the grace and the mercy and the love of Jesus Christ, and they were people who came to church each and every week to wash feet. See, that's what the Apostle Peter is urging us toward. That we come into this place every week to love as Jesus loved, to serve as Jesus served, to give as Jesus gave. And by doing so, we partner with the brother and sister down the aisle in helping them give it away to the person that they've been sharing Christ with. Unless you think that the Apostle Peter was hopeful that people fell in love with a particular church or a particular variation of church. He said this at the end of verse 11. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, because to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever lest anyone cynically believe that our goal for Launch Sunday is to get us all working and serving so hard that people would think that VLC is an awesome church. I want you to know that we push you in this direction not because we want you to serve and to give and to sacrificially love so that people would think that we are awesome, but we push you and prod you and encourage you to intentionally and sacrificially serve so that God may be glorified. So that people like Mike and Violet would come into the church and say, there's something different about Jesus. There's something different about this God that the Christians serve. We do this because our united effort in giving it away is the surest way to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord. We partner with one another to wash the feet of those around us. Sometimes you'll come to church and you'll only wash the feet of disciples. Sometimes you'll come to church and you'll only wash the feet of tax collectors. 
Sometimes you'll come to church and wash the feet of the blank slate. Sometimes you'll wash the feet of the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter. But whatever you do, I encourage you from this point forward, come into this place not to have your feet washed, but to wash the feet of someone else. And by so doing, we'll give it away to the glory of God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, you have loved and you have served and you have given. Pastor Otto reminded us this morning with Mark chapter 10, verse 45, that you did not come to be served but to serve and to give your life as a ransom for many. AJ and Pastor Otto reminded us from Philippians chapter 2 today that you emptied yourself. You became a servant, it says, for humanity. God, I pray that here on this launch Sunday we would be open to emptying ourselves of all pride, pretension, neediness, Lord, I pray that we would commit ourselves as never before to loving sacrificially each and every time we come into this place. We call this few minutes that we spend together at the end of the service commitment time. I don't know what gift you have. I don't know what God has called you to. I don't know what he's spoken into your hearts in the last 28 minutes but I would ask you to commit it to him right now. Perhaps it will be a call to do what you're doing already more intentionally, more sacrificially. Or perhaps it'll be to walk outside and find Pastor Otto today and say, tell me where I can serve. I want to partner with somebody else to give it away. But before we do any of that, let's, let's bring it before the Lord. Just for a few minutes, I'd ask you to say, Lord, what are you speaking to my heart? What am I to give away? How am I to serve? What should be my attitude? What do I need to commit to for when I come in these doors? How can I love earnestly, show hospitality, and use my gift to its fullest? Commit it to the Lord. And once you have, we'll sing together to close our time. Now would you go to the Lord?